Standing up for McKinney, this is According to Callus. This is the first Monday of October 2022, episode 274, entitled The Choices That We Make. So this week I'm going to kind of delve into, quite frankly, what lays before us in the uh, 20 to 22 general election and then probably pivot one way or the other, I'm not sure what order I'm going to do right this minute, to the um, next municipal election, which would be in uh, May of 2023. The reason why we need to do this is we have to have a mindset of what is it that we want, and we have to know why we want it, and then we have to work towards that goal, that direction. Sadly, I see that Far too many people buy into the status quo. The the what is is good enough and to question is anathema. We, We don't allow such a thing. And I think that's really sad because we have listened to a hundred years of progressives pushing stuff down our throats, making us change and adapt all the time. And by and large, all those changes have had negative effects long-term. Or, at the very least, didn't have the positive effects that we were promised. So, when we're making those decisions, these choices have long-term effects. And we need to consider, by what basis are we making these choices? or What are we weighing things out? It's not necessarily an either-or. It could be a both and, but it's never 100% clear cut. I think it's Thomas Sowell that uh, is accredited with the quote that every choice is a cost benefit analysis. And I'm paraphrasing because that's what it boils down to. What am I willing to give up in order to gain this, right? It's a trade-off. The decisions are a series of trade-offs. So when you make a choice, you have to have an idea what your end goal is. So, it seemed only fair that I revisit one of the underlying tenets of, well, how does Stephen Callis think? And how does the show, according to Callis, ferret out their positions, their thoughts, and their commentary? Okay, so let's dive right in. First and foremost, I claim to be a Christian. So, let's Let's quantify that. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I constantly repent for other sins that I've uh, committed in the meantime. Now, for those of you that reject Christianity or faith, that's okay. I I don't hate on you. Um, I, I wish you would come to see things the way I do. But put a pin in it for right now. Uh, I subscribe to a, a Protestant theology. In other words, I don't anchor my faith to the Catholic Church, Roman or otherwise, nor do I subscribe to an Eastern Orthodox faith, which, in fairness, both of those churches predate Protestantism and both have about 15 different flavors each. And for various reasons, I just don't align with them. That doesn't mean that I see either of them as my enemy or problem. Um, I can quibble over theology if that's what you think is valuable. I don't at this moment, at this episode. 
I see a lot of good Catholics and, but let me clarify that real quickly by good Catholic. I mean, like maybe a Pope Benedict Catholic, as opposed to a Pope Francis Catholic. For those of you that are Catholic, I think you know where I'm going with this. So we're just going to leave it alone. If you're not, it doesn't really matter. And as far as the Orthodox church goes, I don't really know of any sellout stuff going on over there, to be honest. I'm sure there is. They've infected the Protestant and the Catholic church a lot, uh, so much so that they own the Pope. But as of right now, I'm not aware of it. So I, I subscribe to Protestantism. I would be nominally a Baptist. I, you know, so just to clarify that, and we're not going to dive any further into the theology because that's not what the purpose of this episode is. Just that's my underlying motivation. Now, as a Christian, how I think about things, how I process things, how I balance things, how I weigh things out, come from that worldview, that understanding. And that informs my actions as a liberty advocate. So let's go into how I would define liberty advocate. Because without definitions, without an understanding of where I'm coming from, some of this may not make sense. And quite frankly, we know that if you get to define the words, you win the battle. So I'm defining the words. As a liberty advocate, I think that pretty much every decision that can be done at a local level should be done at a local level. Sometimes that means that even though the state has the authority, they should stay out of local issues unless the local authorities abuse their powers. The The state is supposed to be the final say uh, in governmental issues they are supposed to direct what happens at the federal level. They're supposed to control what happens at the municipal level, including school boards and every other district. Everything is a creation of the individual states. That is my understanding. So when we're dealing with the individual states, every state has a constitution. And if the state doesn't follow its own constitution, Constitution. It violates its own constitution. That is a problem. They need to be held accountable for that and to that paper document, right? Or digital document, if you prefer. But even still, that doesn't mean that the constitution can't be improved upon. It can't be tweaked. It can't be more liberty orientated. But for right now, I would settle for the state of Texas following the Texas constitution and the federal government or the general government actually following the U S constitution. But seeing that neither one seems to be capable of following the plain paper text of what's going on and the rules that were laid out, I will settle for just pushing them back to that point. And once we're successful in achieving that, then we'll worry about, how much more liberty do we get? How much more uh, freedom do we recognize? We're a long way off, and, and I'm really not going to die on a hill for something that's not likely to occur when I can deal with so many more things that are directly applicable to everyday life and 
more easily attainable, right? Fight the battles that you know you can win or you have a good chance of winning, and then you can get back around to the tougher battles. If you die on the hill, you're not going to live for another day to fight that additional battle. So as a liberty advocate, that means that I stand up when school boards get out of line. I stand up when the city council gets out of line. I do it in different ways. Sometimes I just make an episode and tell the other people in the area, hey, this is going on. We ought to do something about it. Sometimes I actually go to those meetings and tell them to their face that I think they're wrong and they ought to stop or this is a problem. Sometimes I just encourage and work together with other people that are of a similar mindset. Sometimes I reach out to people that are in a position to exert a little bit of influence. There are different ways to go after the same goals. And if you're always doing the same thing all the time, you're much easier to be defended against and you become predictable. So I try to avoid that. Now, that means because of the first thing, my Christianity or my Christian worldview, it conflicts sometimes with the more libertine version of a liberty advocate for the more, um, shall we say, open version of a liberty advocate. Like, for instance... I don't believe that somebody wanting to change their physical characteristics to pose as a sex that they were not born as is a good thing, is something worthy of my time and effort. Now, I'm not going to go out of my way to attack people that are, in my opinion, mentally ill. I'm not going to beat them up or ostracize them. They need to be treated with, honestly, respect. And uh, they need to know Jesus, in my opinion. But I'm not going to hate on them, but I'm not going to help them. I'm not going to go out of my way. I feel the same way about uh, the folks that have perverted marriage, right? It's pretty simple. My solution would be the state needs to get out of the marriage business. They don't need to be licensing any marriage. Now, I will freely admit I am in a minority on this subject. Uh, A good number of people that I get along with quite well and agree with on a good many things disagree with me, some vehemently and some just a little bit. But the whole idea of getting a license to get married by the state brings the state into my marriage, which is supposed to be between my wife, myself, and God. So why in the world would I want the state in there? Now for the atheists out there, okay, that's, you can do what you want to do. I'm, I, whatever. And for two dudes that want to play house, come on, man. Do you really, do you really think that you want the state involved in your relationship such as it is? And unless you believe or you belong to some kind of Unitarian Universalist or sellout church, they're not going to marry you. If, if two dudes want to go play house, fine. I, I, I don't really care. It doesn't, doesn't hurt me. doesn't offend me. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I'm okay with it. I'm not going to pretend it's a good thing. I'm not going to pretend want to use whatever. But that was the status quo. That was what we were fine with 20 years ago or 30 years ago. But now I'm the bad guy. 
But now we have to pretend that something that never was is. And that's kind of problematic. But again, that goes back to the fact that conservatives conserve nothing. They're constantly failing. So I look at it from the other side of the coin. If I pursue liberty, if I advocate for less government, that takes away that weapon to be used against us. That that kind of gives both sides what they want. One gets to have the state out of their lives and behave how they see fit, so long as they don't hurt another person. And the other one gets to have their church wedding and go about life and create families and go forth. I, I, I Again, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because there's a whole lot of things that kind of get a little dicey when you're a liberty advocate from a Christian point of view because there's some things that pull in opposite directions. But my default answer is as long as the state's not forcing anybody to do anything, my Christianity is, uh, I'm going to advocate it's the way, the truth, the life, and that it's the right way to do things, but I'm not going to force anybody to do that. I'm not going to force anybody to belong to my church. I'm not going to force anybody to have a faith similar to mine. That's counterproductive, in my opinion. I'm not Charlemagne. I'm not Mohammed. You want you want to have your own faith? I respect that. I'm going to act in accordance with my faith. And so long as you're not forcing me to do anything, we'll get along just fine. That also means that sometimes, because I believe things and I value liberty, I'm going to push the state out of it because I want my rights, my decisions to be respected by the state. That means you get to have yours respected as well. You should have no problem with me. So again, I think I've defined my Christianity worldview, where I come from. I've done my best to quickly encapsulate the idea of being a liberty advocate. Now come into the third piece of the puzzle. I'm a Republican. Why? Because you have, unfortunately, in the state of Texas, choice A, choice B. I've often referred to it as the stupid party and the evil party. And I have friends that say, well, which is which? Well, ah, let's back it up just a second. So, yes, the Libertarian Party exists. Yes, I probably agree with an equal amount of Libertarian positions as I do Republican positions. Probably. But the fact of the matter is the Republican Party is in control. The Republican Party wins races. The Republican Party is far more influential than the Libertarian Party. Now, could that change? Maybe. We've been trying since, what, the 70s, guys? Nobody takes you seriously. And I don't know why that is, because I take you guys seriously. I agree with a lot of what you have to say. But you have three big hang-ups, and we're not going to spend time getting into that right now. I, I'm just saying, uh, so of my two choices, the two primary choices, you have a Republican and you have a Democrat. The Democrats are openly hostile towards Christianity. With the understanding of Christianity as I understand it, and I've previously explained it. Apparently, if you're a Pope Francis Catholic, you're a-okay. If you're a woke Protestant, you're a-okay in the Democrat Party because that means you don't take your faith seriously and you don't value anything that the Bible teaches. 
that's just my take on the matter. If you don't like it, tough. This is my show. It's called According to Callus for a reason. The Republican Party at least pretends or gives credence to the fact that there's value in Christianity and whether they're doing it simply to promote themselves or to make peace or to win elections, I don't know, but they don't hate me. And when I mean they don't hate me, I'm talking about the local party officials and some of the state elected officials that I know and have interacted with. They don't hate Christians. Now, you could say that at a national level, and perhaps a good number of those people that actually go to Congress, they use Christians to get what they want. Okay, I'll give you that. But the Democrats still hate you. So if you're a Protestant like me, if you are somebody that takes your faith seriously, like I do, if you're concerned about liberty, like I am, you can go to the party that hates you, or you can go to the party that tolerates you. It's a real simple choice. I mean, it means that about a third of the candidates are, well, no, I'm being awfully, well, no, I said candidates. A third of the candidates are actually good Christian pro-liberty, you know, candidates that we want to support, that we're grateful to have run. Unfortunately, most of the time after they've won and they've moved on, they abandon those things. They become apparatics. They go to work for the speaker or the lieutenant governor, or they go off to Congress and they abandon us. Now, is that a process or is that on purpose? I don't know. I can't answer that. I don't know their hearts. I don't know their minds. I don't know what motivates them. But again, you're ultimately left with the idea that the Republicans will tolerate us. The Republicans will work with us. Sometimes I think, and this is just me personally, but sometimes I think it's a pat us on the head and say, good little conservative voter, which I'm not, but good little conservative voter, you gave me what I wanted, now go away now. For those of you that ever uh, seen any of the old, old movies with W.C. Fields, he's like, go away, boy, you're bothering me. And that's a very bad approximation of what's being said. But the idea is, I got what I wanted, I don't need you anymore. Okay, but they don't hate us, at least not blatantly and openly. And, you know, I know plenty of people that I believe take their faith seriously and they see through some of this, uh, well, let's call it um, flattery. They see through some of that and they're really put off by it. And they're not wrong to be put off by it. But their alternative is so much worse. And I don't understand where the disconnect is. Would you rather deal with somebody that will at least tolerate you? Or would you rather deal with somebody that would just soon that you got hit by a truck? Now, maybe that's a cynical view. Maybe that's not fair. I'm sure there are good Democrats out there. And by that, I mean honest, average, hardworking you know, individuals that still have a D after their name, but the vast majority of them have been chased out of the very party that they built. Whether it's by, well, we're not going to go down the path. Just stop. Okay. So again, 
I look first through the lens and the understanding of my Christianity. Then I built in my advocacy for liberty. And then I have to work within the structure of the Republican Party. Okay. That means that I have to do a lot of second and third choices. I have to accept the hand I've been dealt. That means that a lot of times I'm stuck with the, well, they're okay. It's marginally good. And I have to deal with that. I mean, it's the whole argument of incrementalism versus immediacy. Well, immediacy has left the building. We don't have a majority. And why that? by that, I mean liberty advocates. I mean, even good Christians have a real hard time with liberty. They have, an, they have a hard time with being okay with people that just engage in sinful behavior. The people that embrace the pagan nature of life. They have a really hard time dealing with that. And they think if we will just put certain biblical laws into the legal structure that we're going to help these people and keep them on the straight and narrow. I, I really don't see that being the outcome. I mean, I don't want things to be okay. I don't want to reward people for bad behavior. But again, if some guy partakes in drunkenness or some guy cheats on his wife, both are reprehensible and you know, he has to deal with God on that or their families but I don't really want the state involved in that. I don't see how that's helpful. You know, the state getting involved in redefining marriage only hurt marriage. The state getting involved in, quite frankly, education has only hurt education. But we accept these things and we think somehow that if we will just get more involved and take it back over, that we're going to make things better. Well, I don't think that we can fix marriage apart from God. I'm very certain that we can't fix education in the current structure. That doesn't mean that we don't quit or that we should quit or that we shouldn't try or that we shouldn't be involved. No, exactly the opposite. See, when you're when you're looking through the worldview that I come from and you see the world around you, there's so many opportunities to help people and to make things better without involving the state, without forcing people to do things. So I watched a show, my wife and I, you know, we like the doctor shows. And uh, <laughs> the other one that's on Fox is, you know, pretty much gone fully woke now too. Uh, and I I try to look past this because even if I've been watching or re-watching the reruns of ER, I'm surprised at how much stuff I missed. How much programming and direct in-your-face stuff there was. Just leftist ideologue stuff. And look, if you're going to tell me a good story, I'm willing to overlook some of that stuff. It doesn't offend me. I'm, you know, I'm not some little shrieking violet. I can take it. But when you ruin your story to put forth your garbage, it, it takes away from the story. So we're watching, you know, we're watching this stuff. And one of the background events going on is there's an election for the governor of Georgia. And I can only assume that the guy that wins is uh, an analog to Trump. And the person that lost, well, you know, they were just going to give everybody health care. 
they were just going to give everybody, I don't remember what the other thing, it doesn't really matter. But the, <laughs> the big fail here is these people are working in a publicly controlled hospital now because as a private entity, they went out of business and they were taken over by the state. And they're providing services to people that by and large, good percentage of them can't actually afford the services they're providing. When it costs $17,000 to have a scan, well, no, of course you can't afford that because then there's the stay and there's this and that. I mean, hundreds of thousand dollars of bills in the healthcare industry come upon you. And why? It's because of insurance. It's because of government. It's because of all the defects that are brought apart and the side effects of government intervention. So they're all upset because the person that's going to give everybody health care lost. And it's the end of the world. And how are they going to do this? How are they going to do that? Well, <laughs> I get it. It's It was kind of a funny aside. And again, the story was decent enough that I didn't, you know, really pay that close attention to what was going on. But the sad thing was, is they were actually speaking as if one person can make all this stuff happen. Well, first of all, legally, secondarily, constitutionally, and thirdly, with what money? Where do they think this just comes out of the sky? They they talk about how expensive the bills are. Well, where's that money come from? You can't do something for nothing. This is a choice. Now... They say the market doesn't fix everything. They say there are gaps and fails of the market. Okay, maybe that's right. And I've said this before too, but we really haven't tried a free market yet. We haven't had a real free market. I mean, that's the same story we get for socialism all the time or communism all the time. Well, we didn't really try communism or that wasn't real socialism. Oh, okay. So you can feel free to go over to California and try it. But we in Texas, we're going to do a more free market. How about that? And we'll see which one turns out better. And we're still going to have, you know, a couple hundred thousand illegal aliens coming over every uh, couple of months. And we're going to still have um, (laughs) Abbott. And I still will bet the farm that California ends up far worse than Texas with our marginal free market system versus their we're going to try another version of socialism system. But again, these are the choices we make. I, I look at it from those three vantage points. I have a Republican uh, choice. This go round, I have three candidates that I'm willing to endorse. I will say Yes. I am very comfortable with them. I think they're going to do us a good job. And I'm willing to say that I, Stephen Callis, think they should be the person you go vote for. It's not a hard decision. There's probably another 15 or 20 races that uh, aren't really races. I mean, the way that we've got our districting here, the people are going to probably win. They're our nominee. They're on our team. Uh, whether they're my first choice or not, that's what I've got now. And I'm going to support them. I think they're so much better than the other alternative, right? 
Because remember, you have a Democrat or a Republican. You've got people that tolerate you and people that hate you. Who would you rather deal with? Now, I know people. They they say, well, you know, maybe we should allow a Democrat to win one of these races. And then we can replace the Democrat later. Okay. I, I guess in theory, maybe that works. But how is that a good thing? I mean, how are we serving ourselves well there? Is that really a good decision? Do you think that choice might come back to bite you? I think it will. So in the remaining couple of minutes here, I'm going to just mention the three people by name that I'm willing to endorse. And I'll probably make a little uh, video uh, over the weekend that I'll release during the week. So first and foremost, uh, Chris Hill is county judge. I know the man very well. I feel 100% confident that he respects liberty, individual liberty. I am 100% confident that he fits my definition of a Christian. And I have not a doubt in my mind that he's a good Republican for all that entails. But he has often said that he is a Christian first, a conservative second, and a Republican third. This is the guy that stood up against the governor and every other city official and said, no, no, everybody's essential. Everybody should be able to go to work. Everybody should be treated with value. A lot of people forget that. That took a lot of courage. Talk about putting your neck out there. But he did that for Collin County. For all of us. And, you know, there's this tripe every now and again that comes out that we need to support for a Democrat because, you know, they're going to work for all of us. They're going to represent all of us. Really? You don't think that somebody that's willing to say you're all value, you're all essential, that you don't think that person is backing you? You don't think that they don't see the value in you? You don't think they're representing you? Well, I would suggest to you, you maybe need to go back and think about it just a little bit. Now, I know his opponent, I've met him on one or two occasions. I offered to, you know, interview him at one point and I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it in such a way that would be productive. So rather than beat around the bush, I want to make sure that I put that out there. Um, the second person that I get to vote for is a uh, former county judge, Keith Self now going to be running for the 3rd Congressional District. And he was one of the four people that helped take down Van Taylor. Now, let me just say for a moment that when Van Taylor ran, he ran on all the credentials and he was fantastic on paper. And I knew Van and I talked to Van and I was comfortable he was going to go to Congress and do a good job. And then Van got to Congress. So it is my sincere hope and based upon what I know about Keith and he exemplifies the same things that I would say about Chris Hill. He uh, has, you know, declared his Christianity. He has defended individual liberty. He put on his country's uniform and served honorably. And he is an astute politician and Republican. And I think he'll do a really good job for us in Congress. And to vote for his opponent with a D after their name would only be shooting yourself in the foot. And the third person that I get to vote for that I will actually endorse (laughs) would be our uh, state Senator, Angela Paxton. 
And for those of you who know me, know that I actually endorsed and worked for her opponent in the primary in 2018. I was, you know, I was a Philip Philip Huffine supporter, and uh, I still think he would have been an awesome state senator. But we have Angela, and Angela's by and large done a great job. Now, here's the thing that you need to remember. Every individual that runs to, that is on our team, we're not going to agree with 100%. We're not going to 100% be in lockstep at everything. But when you look at the big picture, is that person moving the ball forward? Is that person defending our liberty? Are, are they trying to do what's best for all of Texas? Are they trying to preserve liberty? Do they you know, subscribe to Christianity, which is one of my, my requirements, right? Well, Angela checks all those boxes too. Now, you have that information. Do with it as you see fit. I would suggest that their opponents are don't hold a candle to them. Now, as the week progresses, I'll probably touch base on uh, a few other people of note that I will be voting for. I, I don't know if I'd give it a full throttle endorsement. And I don't know that I'll go out of my... Uh, and set time aside to do a little endorsement video, but they're worthy of your time to research. All right. So that is, and was episode 274 choices that we make have a great Monday. And until then I will see you on the other side.